0: Steve, happy Monday. How's it going, man?
1: <laughs> Fantastic, man. Happy Monday to you. Have a good weekend?
0: Yeah, yeah, it was good. We, uh, we got some good weather in our area, so it's just nice to be outside and get the kids outside. And yeah, it made me super freaking anxious for spring. But yeah, it was it was a good one for sure. Nice. So this Monday Minute, we want to hit um, several things. First off, we're just going to kind of dive into um, some listener questions actually around the death hike. Um, So if if you're listening to this episode, you probably heard um, the episode we did a couple weeks ago about kind of a DIY death hike. Um, We spoke with David from Pennsylvania about how he put one together and encouraged you guys, the listeners, to put together a death hike if if you're so interested. And the response to that was awesome and lots of good feedback, but then quite a few questions as well of, you know, guys who are wanting to put a death hike together but not sure how to, or we actually heard from um, one guy specifically who he posted something about putting a death hike together and he's almost been overwhelmed with the response of interest. And now he's like, "Uh Oh, how do I manage this? And what do I do? You know? Um, so Steve, I thought it'd be kind of cool just to hit, you know, there's no one answer, but maybe address some of the questions that we've gotten from listeners. If they're looking to put together a death hike, um, first and foremost, maybe just, um, looking at size, like, how many people is realistic how many people is too many um and then on those same lines maybe how to vet some people so if guys are new to this and you know like this one guy for example put something on instagram and apparently in his area had a ton of interest but now he's getting worried like uh uh-oh like how how do (laughs) i manage this like what are some thoughts on managing group size um and then you know maybe just looking at Do you vet people? How can you vet people? That type of thing.
1: Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I've always just had a rule. Like, either I have to know you or a friend has to know you. Um, And then there's a couple guys who joined once that that talking to them on the phone, I could tell they're, like, I don't know, serious about it or talking, you know, they could talk about how they hunted. I got a clue into possibly the physical shape they would be in and if they're up for something like this. And then I just said, hey, you got to come by the shop and I got to meet you in person. Um, basically to, to vet them, uh, that's the only way to do it because yeah. from, from my standpoint, uh, I don't want to get somebody back in there that that's going to be a liability. Um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, you just don't want to be stuck somewhere with, with somebody who just wasn't ready for ready for it physically. Yeah. Um, as far as group size goes, uh, the only thing you need to be aware of is certain areas. We've, we've done some hikes and wildernesses and stuff like that um, designated wilderness areas. And there's just group size limitations in there. Um, could be eight people, could be 20 people, could be 50 people. You just gotta just get online, Google the, the wilderness and and type, type in like hiking group party size or something like that. And and usually you'll find the answer pretty quickly. Uh, so it's just something logistically to be aware of. Um, and then outside of that, the only thing else that affects group size is just shuttling. You got to, obviously the easiest way to do it is some type of loop where you start and finish at the same point, but those aren't quite as, um, satisfying to do. It's, it's really nice to start from a and hike all the way to Z and, um, just, you get more of a sense of accomplishment. You look, you zoom out, look at a map and go, Holy crap. We started there and we ended up all the way over here. Mm -hmm. Um, but you just do have the issues with shuttles. So I think the easiest thing that I found ideally is everyone parks at the finish line, um, and then you just this like specifically this year, uh, for the death hike, I, I rented a couple 12 passenger vans. So everyone's parking near the finish line. Uh, and then we'll shuttle everybody to the beginning. And then when they're done hiking, uh, theoretically their vehicles there. So if they get out a day and it, I mean, you might have some serious, um, space between different groups, you know, it could be, Four hours, it could be 24 hours. It just depends on the duration of the hike. So that way, that everything's easy. When they, when someone's done with the hike, they're done, and they just can jump in their vehicle and drive back home. Yeah,
0: cool. I like it. Um, one of the second questions that came up most is what type of distance and mileage is appropriate, and we'll talk about that. But I actually had um, a thought of how this question ties into the previous question on vetting people, and something we've talked about doing before, Steve, I don't know if we ever actually implemented it, it was almost like... a A pre death hike challenge, call it a tryout, call it what you want. But like something that folks may want to look at is you're both vetting people and then also understanding what type of mileage is realistic is almost like a mini event before the event where everybody has to complete, you know, this distance with this type of elevation and see what time they do that in, you know, maybe with a certain pack weight as well. And so you're kind of getting this baseline of like, a, what's possible in general, um, but then B, in terms of vetting people, you can make some sort of requirement on like, okay, you need to be able to do this type of mileage with this type of elevation with this type of pack and this amount of time. And then actually, f- literally, you could, if you want to force people to do that, and then if they can't make that cut off for that time or for that distance, et cetera, then they don't quote unquote, like qualify for the death hike. So that's just one idea mm-hmm. to throw out there. It's obviously a more formal yeah. way to do it, but you might look yeah. at doing something like that
1: to vet folks. Yeah, the the one thing I mean, uh, kind of on off topic. I would just if I was, you know, in Pennsylvania trying to put this on, I would whoever wants to join, I would have it required that there's two people, um, and basically they are, you'll you'll if you're the coordinator, you'll help coordinate getting them from you know the end. I would have them parked at the end, shuttle them to the beginning, and then just say you two, you're on your own, right? Like, mm. there's no more liability. So if they go slow, if they take, you know, if they go fast, whatever, just th- that way there's somebody with them um, in case something goes wrong. Uh, and then, you know, they could take their time, go fast, go slow, and uh, you don't really have to worry about it. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good idea for sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, threw- but as far as, yeah, vetting, vetting and time requirements and stuff like that, yeah, I can't remember... Uh, we were gonna do that for the year. We flew um into the Frank Church, if I remember right. Um, and yeah, I, I, you had to do a. There's a hike in Boise that was it's five miles and a three thousand foot climb, and I I basically you had to do it with like a forty pound pack in under two hours or something. It was kind of the the rule I threw out there. But mm-hmm. uh, we said we never actually ended up following up with that. You mentioned the word liability. One of the questions we got
0: was about liability. Um, in someone putting this together. And like, he was asking, should people sign a waiver? Like, what should he do to um, cover his butt, if you will? And I think for an individual, depending on how you approach that, it's probably worth doing. But then there's also um, maybe less liabilities in individual if you're not trying to formalize this into an event. But obviously with us, because it's something we kind of publicly talk about, because we're a company even though it's not like a company event if you will we do a liability form but anything else steve that someone should think through in terms of just liability if they're the quote-unquote organizer
1: um honestly yeah i would just keep it very low-key um and not like so long as you're not charging for the event um yeah i think you should be fine right like if you're just kind of helping shuttle people and and have a very clear understanding like i said that's why i would do a minimum. Like if someone wants to join, they just have to have a friend and make it very clear that the two are liable for each other. Uh, then you really shouldn't have any issues. Yeah. Cool.
0: Um, and then just final questions we got is what safety precautions do we take? Um, and you could approach us from a whole variety of ways, but there's, there's numerous things you can do, numerous things you should do. Um, you need to line up communication, especially if, you know, if you're having different groups established or you're having different routes, I mean, you want to be able to ensure that people can communicate if necessary. So for us, that typically is looking like making sure that, you know, on the years that we do death hikes where there's more established groups, then making sure that each group has um, an in reach, making sure that um, everyone basically has the contact information for um, other groups. Um, just that type of thing. One thing to maybe consider just on safety is looking, depending on what your route looks like, looking at pre-designated camp spots, you know, thinking of like when did the hundred miler, for example, of just knowing that everyone should end up here and you can get a head count at the end of a day is really important. But then also if someone is having issues, making sure that there's access to get them, um, out of there or to get medical care to them. Um, so you might just want to look at that in terms of access, making sure that at no times anybody's hiking alone. Um, so again, even if it isn't the formal, like you brought your buddy, if you have a group of guys, um, basically assign somebody, um, or just make sure that no one's alone at any time really, um, for any, any extended period of time, I should say. Um, and then, yeah, just try to, you know, if you can have someone part of the hike that has some sort of medical knowledge and experience. Like we've relied on that in the past, Steve, that's a weak point for us, but we've gotten, um, guys in our group who are, you know, formal military or have actual training and know what they're doing. And we kind of coordinate with them to make sure that, um, you know, they maybe have like some supplies and gear that would be helpful in that type of situation. But, a lot of the safety cuffs stuff is common sense, but anything else that stands out there, Steve?
1: No, not really. Yeah, just, just common sense, like I said. Um, I guess if you're super nervous about it, like you kind of hinted at it, having um, exit points on the hike. So just even if it's just a road you cross it at mile 20, right? Um, a, a place for somebody who's got, if their knee's going bad on them or something like that, they can get out. Um, it's a little way more nerve-wracking like the year we flew into the Frank church and and this year will be the same. Once you start, there's really no turning around. Um, And so it's a keep, you better be ready for that. Um, And I said, if you're doing it the first time with people, you don't know, I would definitely plan um, evacuation points, exit points. Awesome. Um,
0: You last week on the podcast for the full length episode was um, kind of a training talk with the guys from atomic athlete. we had some, uh, really good feedback to that. So if you guys are hearing this and haven't tuned in that episode, you may want to check it out. We also had some kind of follow up on what does our training look like specifically, um, you and I, Steve, this time of year. And for us, it's obviously leading up to the death hike. So we're kind of hitting it a little bit, m- probably more serious at this time of year than we maybe have in past years, just because we're four to five weeks out from the death hike versus going, Oh yeah, the death hike and hunting season, that's months away. Like no big deal. Hmm. Um, and Steve, you, you know, you don't, you train hard, but you also don't like necessarily geek out on training. Like you're not the, you know, the fitness guy, if you will, who's all, um, following programs and doing all kinds of stuff. But what, is, what are you doing? Like this time of year training for the death
1: hike and just looking at your training? Um, yeah, yeah. I keep it pretty simple, man. Um, a lot of it's cause my, I do have a really bad lower back. I've got two fractures down in my lower back, uh, which limits me from, Pretty much anything in the gym, but I can hike and mountain bike as much as I possibly want, um, and that's my training. When I do that, both of those a lot. Uh, it's pretty much nothing I can't do. Is like you know if I do my part. Um, so it's just hiking uh, with weighted packs, uh, anywhere from two miles to five miles, depending on the time or the, the day and the amount of time I have, and and uh, I vary that. I do while I'm hiking. It's way more productive. Um, like one of the routes I do basically, I remember talking about this, I think a year ago on the podcast is just, I'll do, um, the hike right from my house. I'll, I'll basically on the way up to the top, I'll, I'll just do a series of, of lunges, kind of like almost calisthenic, like high knees. Um, I've been doing side lunges, side steps, um, and I'll just do sets like 50 of those. So, uh, all the way up to the top to where I end up doing like 200 of each. And that's a pretty good, um, workout. I've been really hammering that just because of, um, the hike this year being on snowshoes, uh, that uh, you're just gonna be working a lot more of those kind of core muscles. So, just getting, not just walking in a straight line on flat ground, right? Trying to activate some of those other muscles and, and make sure that I'm hitting those. Um, and then uh, biking, yeah, just, uh, uh, I got one of those, um, I'm sure everyone's seen the commercial, one of the Peloton bikes. Bought that last uh, November, and it has been absolutely amazing for me just because, you know, two little kids at home winter time days are short uh just being able to get on that bike on on times when i normally wouldn't have been able to get out so even even if my wife's gone and i randomly get lucky and the the two kids are napping i can just jump on there for half an hour and get a great workout in Uh, so that has been really handy having that i think super important to make exercise as easy as possible uh, for me especially Mm -hmm. just because life gets so busy um, you just need to have access to it it shouldn't be um, yeah, if you have a gym membership and the gym's 10 minutes away, well, it's like, you know, really you're losing five minutes to get in your car, 10 minutes to drive there, half an hour workout. I mean, it, t- it just takes an hour to do something that should only take 30 minutes. So I would just, um, uh, I think really having stuff you could do from home, uh, or, um, a lot of my hikes too, I'll just do, uh, on the way from my, from office back to home. Um, so it's just like literally off the side of the road, I park and, and go do it. And I realize not everybody has that, but, just, just keep that in mind of, of making it as easy as possible. Um, that way you have less excuses and more opportunity to do it. Yeah,
0: I like it. Cool. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's, you know, with the death hike, it's obviously very hike centric. So whether it's actual hiking or whether it's doing weighted pack step ups, that type of thing, um, I'm essentially trying to do a hike or step ups or something, um, of that nature three times a week, um, basically doing some lifting two times a week, and then trying to do something more high intensity, like work capacity type thing once a week. So, um, if you listen to last week's episode that, you know, follows in line with a lot of their recommendations, um, you know, of, of what kind of look at and how to balance it and things. So again, Steve, what you said is like super smart, keep it simple. Make it accessible. Um, you know, take away all the barriers that are like, "Oh, I can't do it today" because you know you just have mm-hmm. to make it accessible as possible. So
1: yeah, and I, and I'd say, um, the whole "at like I don't have time" excuse, um, it's just complete BS. <laughs> like it's so easy to say and do. Um, like I, I think myself, you know, I run two small businesses. I got a nine month old, a three year old. Uh, life's pretty stinking busy. Um, and, and the vast majority of my workouts, especially since I got that Peloton, they happen at, at nine, nine 30 at night. Um, but if, if you were making fitness a priority and a goal in your life, you, you just got to find time to carve it in. And I think heck we talked about this when we were in Salt Lake getting, you know, we're at shows all week and it's, you're just, it's just tiring standing in a 10 by 10 booth all day for five days straight. Um, but we still made it a point to get up at 6am, go get some hikes in. And we, we said specifically, like, you never, ever regret doing the workout. Not, yeah. not once ever have I been like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that today. Um, like, you always feel better afterwards. Um, so it's just one thing to keep in mind when you're uh, – like I said, i got to do it plenty of times. I, I'll put my daughter to bed at 8 o'clock, um, and it takes like a half an hour, 45 minutes by the time I read her a story. And half the time I end up falling asleep because I'm exhausted, <laughs> so then I'm waking up at 9 and it's like, I've already, it's nine o'clock at night. I've already fallen asleep a little bit. Uh, like how to get yourself like up and motivated to, to get on the bike and get a ride in. And um, you just, I think for me, it's seeing that the, I know in 45 minutes from now, I'm going to be glad that I did it and not regret, you know, not doing it. So. Yeah.
0: And sometimes like I'll look at what I have planned in terms of a workout for a day and just like, it sounds, that sounds terrible or daunting or I don't have the energy for that. And so I'll just be like, okay, well. I'll tell myself, I'm not going to do that, but let me just go do this and I'll make up something mm. way easier. But the thing is, once you actually just get started and like you convince yourself, yeah. okay, I'm just going <laughs> to do something like stupid easy. Once you get moving and like get going, you find out, okay, I'm actually fine. Let's go ahead and do the full thing. Right. So you almost have to like right. play those tricks yeah. on yourself of, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't do, you know, X, let me just go do Y, which is much easier. But then you go to do that. Once you start cruising, man, then. Yeah, it's, it, it's hard to get started, but then once the momentum's going, you're fine.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, cool. That was, uh hope that was helpful for you guys if you're looking at doing a death hike. Again, we had um, quite a few questions and feedback um, on that, and so we just want to tackle those here. Um, as always, guys, if you have questions about anything, not death hike related, but just something you may want to hear feedback on or ideas on, we'd be happy to um, consider that. You can just contact us uh, to podcast at exomountgear.com. Um, Steve. Before I let you go, uh, just behind the scenes stuff. I mean, we get questions
1: on basically like, yeah,
0: what happens behind the scenes? What's what's going on with EXO right now? Like, what's current?
1: Um, yeah, man, I, I think it'd be, we, yeah, we do get asked a lot to do behind the scenes stuff, so I think it'd be a cool little segment to add to the Monday minutes. Um, it basically, we, you know, show season's tough. We we get asked a lot, like why we don't go to a lot of shows. Well, we're a small company. Um, basically, you know, me, you, Pat. Um, and Jake, we're out of the office for two weeks straight. Uh, so it's, we get back to the office. There's two weeks of work. The business continues to run, right? So there's two weeks of work to catch up on. Um, so everyone's just catching up. I'm sure I'm just starting after a week. I'm almost caught up with all my emails. I'm sure you're in a similar boat. Um, we're just shipping packs every day, trying to get the show orders out. Um, we are titanium frame replacements. For everybody with k3s from last year um those are going to start shipping hopefully by the end of this week if not early next week those guys are going to start seeing those come out um and then personally i'm working on um i got a few prototypey things that i'm working for the death hike for everybody to to go on so i've got a couple a uh, couple meetings here one in a few hours actually after this podcast this morning go meet with our uh, our prototype guy and, and start sewing some samples of stuff um Guess that's it, man. Yeah, we're just gearing up this time of year at XO. where uh, it's usually after show season through May is is fairly um, kind of low key. It's you know it's a little bit of, of um, guys getting ready for bear and turkey season, so a little bit of pickup and and kind of sales. But usually it's it's pretty level, and then basically um, our we're just building up inventory. So when we hit June and uh, orders just to start going crazy, guys are getting ready for you know the main hunting seasons. Uh, that we've got stock ready for that. So we're just kind of uh, building up that inventory and getting things organized and and ready for summer season.
0: Cool. Well, guys, thanks as always for tuning in. Um, Obviously, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. We'd appreciate it so you can catch future episodes. We will have an episode coming out Wednesday full length and hope to see you then. Have a good week.